This short code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the short code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Nick Lind, back for another episode of our Parenting and Medical School series. Today, we're going to do something a little different. Uh, This was originally intended to be a partner's podcast. We have some partners that are here. We actually have two families who are here in the studio. Joining me today is the Lung family. We have Christina and Michael Lung and their little baby, Michaela. So welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. I also have my family here. With me is my wife, Miriam. Hi. And our little baby, Ingrid. And we have our other two kids who are in the other room as well. Um, Electronic babysitter today. Yes, uh, they are definitely watching a movie while we're recording. But thank you so much for joining me. I'm excited to talk today. We're super excited to be here. Yeah. So one thing I really wanted to do with this episode is kind of talk through the spouse's or partner perspective on raising kids through medical school. And Michael is here. He's a rising M4. I'm also a rising M4. So we we understand parenting as medical students, but I I think uh, a lot of people have a lot of questions on what it's like. Uh, (laughs) Kayla's playing with the mic right now. As we speak, we have an almost 11-month-old grabbing the mic. <laughs> She's very this, interested in it. Yeah, so this is going to be a fun podcast. Yes. Uh, with, with babies running the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here, you want this? <laughs> And she's teething too, yes. so uh, hopefully she won't be too grumpy. That's a hard time. <laughs> I'm sure if I were teething too, I'd be super grumpy. Oh yeah, I can't even imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so, Christina and Miriam. I'd like to hear a little bit about your your story, and, and Michael, you can jump in as well, you know, kind of telling your family story on becoming a parent, but I don't know if, if somebody wants to kind of start. I can go first. Yeah. So actually, becoming a parent is a lot of the reason that Nick went back to med school in the first place. When I had our first daughter, you still had a different career, and having her... When she came, it was just so empowering. I felt like it allowed me to say yes for Nick to quit his job and come back, which before that, I definitely was not willing or uh, equipped to feel like I could say yes. So that was step one, was having our our first. He, Nick, you were, what, two, three months when... She was two or three months when you decided to talk with me about coming to med school. Is that right? Yeah, probably around that that time frame. Yeah, so basically she came and we felt like there was a time frame on you coming back to school at some point. We didn't know if it was going to be medical school or not, but once we made the decision, we got the ball rolling and then we had our second child during the gap year between post-bac and medical school. And then we now have a one-month-old who I'm sure everybody hears. So 
during your third year, right before the end of your third year, we now have her. So my perspective has been initially, I guess, that having our first kid made me feel empowered and equipped to like make a decision about coming. And then as we were looking at where to go, I think when Harvey was coming, I was really nervous about where we were going to have to move or not. That was a really hard time. I don't know. Did you guys live here before you? No. no? Um, okay. we We're from California. Okay. We okay. Out here. Yeah. yeah. So we had one and then we were having Harvey when we were like applying for all of the locations. And I remember being just terrified that we were going to have to move or... Um, something like that you have the first place you got accepted was phoenix and i was a little nervous about like if we were gonna have to go to phoenix or not because we were living here during the post back like application season and so then when you got accepted here and we knew we were coming here that was just a huge relief so i guess it's been everything from like initial decision to just relief that we were gonna have to stay and make it as easy as possible for the transition period and then now that when we decided we were going to try for a third it was the timing question of like how can we have another child and not end up with a newborn in intern year Mm -hmm. i put the kibosh on anything under six months for initial residency year i was like this is our window to try otherwise it's not happening right yeah so that was (laughs) that's where it's been just from like a time frame perspective and some initial thoughts yeah thanks do you want to talk about also you know kind of what our our situation is as far as what where do the kids go like how, how does all that work yeah yeah so i work i'm a pediatric speech therapist and with nick being in med school i'm the family's only income and i did find that medical school is not really designed for people with several dependents i think there are people that make that work but it would be really hard to stretch student loans across all five of us so mm-hmm. I do work and I do work full time but then it's stretching my income for everything that loans doesn't cover which is primarily daycare and mm-hmm. our mortgage so the kids go to daycare full time our eldest is now in elementary school and being on maternity leave it's trying to figure out where we're going to send the third baby without having three daycare pickups every single oh day so we're working on that. I think we finally got it arranged that the preschooler is going to go to a pre-K program at the elementary school. So then I'll pick up the oldest and the middle at the same location before I run to newborn pickup every day. But it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Miriam, for, for sharing. I, I really appreciate everything that you do. You definitely take on the majority of, of you know, carting the kids everywhere and, and a lot of the, the household duties while, while I'm uh, at the hospital or, or setting or, or whatever. So I just really appreciate everything that you do to, to make our family run smoothly. Thank you. I think a big part of being the spouse for somebody in medical school in you can chime in if you have thoughts on this transition is a little bit knowing what you're getting into but then also when you 
it's more than you expected or different than you <laughs> expected, which is just the reality. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Remembering that, at, at least in my case, I remind myself all the time that I chose a person and not a path. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we have to do this together. And if we don't keep that mindset, then we're both going to burn out. Either him in studies oh, yeah. or mm-hmm. me on the house and work front. And there's no, like, just light at the end of the tunnel. We have to make every single day the best that it can be. Otherwise, time is passing and the kids are going to be grown mm-hmm. and we're going to think that we got through it. But really what we lost was the day to day and enjoying it. <laughs> nice. Michaela just threw sunglasses and Michael picked him up with his toes. Very good. Master skills. <laughs> <laughs> and back in her mouth. There you go. Back in her mouth. Yeah, well, you know, it's dad's toes, so yes. it's fine. Right? Yeah, she'd be eating him at home anyways. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> true. All right. So, Christina, Michael, one of you want to talk about your situation? Yeah. So, yeah, Michael, if you want to chime in whenever. Yeah. So, we got married the summer before he started med school. We knew that we wanted kids. We've been together since high school, so we've been together for a long time, and we knew kids was in our future. I was a little bit scared thinking of having kids during med school, but I actually listened to this show four years ago, and there was an episode about med students having kids and it kind of (laughs) gave me a sense of relief that you know it happens um but yeah so we moved out here and we were talking when is the best time to have a child i knew i wanted time to adjust living here we were we we live in california at the time and our family's out there and so i wanted like a year and after that year was up I'm like okay I think I'm I'm ready to bite the bullet and just let's do it and so we got pregnant and then the pandemic came Mm. Um, um, we had plans to fly out to California in March we had my baby shower planned and Mm. I was so sad that I couldn't fly out I was sad that you know I wasn't with my family for a bulk of the time I was pregnant but I sent them a lot of pictures and I sent a lot of my pregnant belly photos on on the internet just so that they can kind of be a part of that journey but yeah and then she came in July and yeah that was interesting too luckily my parents came out a month after my mom stayed with us for three months which was very helpful but I actually didn't realize that Michael was able to take time off. I thought initially that, you know, maybe he had a few days off, but he took a whole month off. Wasn't a month? Um, yeah, originally it was a plan to be like a couple weeks, but it ended up being four weeks, I think, in total. Yeah, so that was great. Just, you know, the just the three of us yeah. enjoying. Yeah. And what, what was the time frame on that? That was, uh, so July 18th. She came a week early, oh, okay. but I do have to... Uh, I do have to, uh, you know, uh, acknowledge that the administration was very, very supportive and, yeah. you know, letting me take time off and being very understanding that you can't really schedule when the baby's going to come along. Yeah. So they're, they're really supportive in that aspect. That's good. Yeah, it was, it was kind of an interesting time because it was also around when I started getting serious about studying for step one. So, mm. you know, with the one month old baby and, and trying to study, Tina definitely 
she she definitely kind of held the family together and made things work um, and like Tina was saying we had her, her parents out here which was very helpful as well but nonetheless it was, it was a pretty stressful time um, <laughs> yeah it's pretty tough especially knowing that Michael is studying for step you as a spouse like you want him to do well yeah. but there are times when you're like drowning and you need help and for the longest time and I still do it sometimes like I try to take on everything at home but there are times when I just and it's bad like just to hold everything in and try and like clean everything take care of everything get all the groceries ready and everything planned for the week so I'm doing better at asking for help and Michael is always willing to help. It's just I hate, you know, getting in between him and his studies. Yeah. I think especially when you know coming in that that's going to be so important and mm-hmm. like his success is our success. Yeah. Especially definitely. for us being in a second career. Like we were very discerning and intentional in making this transition. And if it doesn't work out, there's a lot on the line. So I need and want to give him space both for him to do well, but because doing otherwise is like reversing what we've put in. So, yeah, I hear that a lot. What kinds of things have you found to support yourself trying to keep that good positive mindset or like be able to manage everything? Yeah, well, I definitely am thankful that she goes to daycare having to watch her and work at the same time is tough i've done it before plenty of times when she's sick and she's sick often um having to work and keep her occupied is very challenging but i actually have a second job i'm a bar three fitness instructor and so having that has been very it's been great that's my that's that's how i socialize with people i get to work out at the same time so having that has been great that's great are there a lot of moms in your group that you can discuss things with (laughs) or maybe medical professionals or both (laughs) both both yeah the the members there they all know that i have a baby so they always ask and they always ask how I'm doing so yeah my co-workers there are great too there are times when I have to teach and so they'll watch her which is great so they've been so supportive good. good yeah I don't know if you ever found any but I took to a lot of podcasts as well that really were helpful there's a married to doctors podcast and she has like some Facebook groups and stuff and I found that really helpful both when you were doing, I found out when you were doing your post back and I binge listened to like all of them when you were doing that. (laughs) And then I keep up on the like new releases now still. That's been helpful. Or there's like Lives of Doctors Wives Facebook group that's Mm -hmm. helpful. You can ask questions in. Those sorts of things have been really good on helping me to know kind of what was coming. I think especially during that post back period when I was like, realizing what I had said yes to there was that and then we have a community group through our church that has been extremely helpful to have like local community because we didn't move like you guys for medical school but we moved for the post the postback program Mm -hmm. and although we do have family in Iowa they're all 
pretty far. Mm-hmm. Um, my family is the closest in Dubuque, which is still an hour and a half away from yeah. here. And then Nick, your family is in Fort Dodge, which is about two and a half to three hours. So people could come if there's like a real emergency, right. but nobody can come for like just day to day yes mm-hmm. or weekday help mm-hmm. or like mental break or anything like that and so getting plugged into that community group at our churches meant that we have some local friends nice. that was really really helpful and then as you've gotten into the medical program you have some friends through school as well uh, especially the ones that have kids that are in a couple of your um, cohorts that's been a godsend we call them when we need to Get together or have the kids have a play date or birthday party mm-hmm. so they don't feel like they're, <laughs> they're alone, those sorts of things. Yeah, and I think that's something that we're even trying to do more as an organized uh, thing. So one of the cool things that's come out of this podcast series is a lot of us med students are who are parents are starting to talk more and realizing that there are more of us than what we maybe even thought. So we're trying to get a, a real organized group together starting a new student organization and and hopefully we'll have our first event here in a month or so so it's it's really cool and and i really hope that that'll be great support for medical students and and their families to to just have a group of people that are in a similar situation that you know can really share some of that experience that they've had to help make the whole transition of of parenting and and raising a family while in med school just a, a lot smoother process I think that will be really important uh, and helpful for families like yours because I remember when we came for the white coat ceremony and then like we had we did like the first picnic that was outside I remember like searching and looking for anyone that had kids like my (laughs) eyes were just like gleaned are there any little people running around and I didn't see hardly any because many have kids in med school like you but coming in with kids already i was like mm, searching and looking right. and like, yeah. <laughs> there's not hardly anybody <laughs> so i think family moving in like yours to know that there's something established or a family that already has kids like ours it will be, make a difference too yeah absolutely when when we were when we first got here we knew that you know kids were going to be a part of the plan but being able to talk to other students that had kids like our neighbor ryan stoudy he was really helpful and kind of mm-hmm. getting an idea like which years are going to be the busiest which are the easiest to kind of fit time to for child care and you know, things of that nature so it was definitely helpful being able to talk to people that have been through it so yeah i think this group would be really great going forward yeah yeah i, I hope to even maybe see if we can link spouses together more too as we get a little more organized and and even you know med students who are thinking of having kids who maybe don't have kids yet but can really just bounce a lot of ideas and yeah i think it'll be a, a great opportunity for for everyone to just kind of network yeah i think people who have kids can help destigmatize or kind of get rid of some of the anxiety that people feel mm-hmm. that it is manageable and it, it feels like a lot but it is manageable right. and there is lots of things that you can do to make it work daycare like you said mental health with mm-hmm. working out community just coming up with like systems i have like some routines throughout the day that sometimes it feels a little ocd but i know that i'm doing them to like make sure that i i finish certain things like there, we do a load of laundry every day because otherwise it just builds too much. Oh, <laughs> Those sorts yeah. of things. Small little routines on the house front. That kind of thing can make a big difference in letting people know. 
Yeah, and you're way better at all of that than I am. So thank you. Thank you again. I'm going to keep saying that. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for all the things that I don't do that you do. (laughs) Listeners, if you ask us a question, it means that I don't have to make something up to talk about on the show. And the show becomes what you want it to be. So send your questions to theshortcoats at gmail.com or leave a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. So... You know, I, I reached out uh, for some questions to ask partners and spouses from a Facebook group, the the pre-med hangout, Dr. Ryan Gray's Facebook group. And I, I got a few questions. I, I didn't get quite as many as I did for the first episode with med students, but there are a few here. And one thing I'd like to talk a little bit about, and I, I think, Tina, you mentioned it a little, but one person asked, what is the time and responsibility load on the non-student parent and, and what should they expect, you know, as someone heading to med school for their, their spouse to kind of take on? Yeah. So when our day starts, I am in charge of getting our daughter up, dressed, fed, ready for daycare. My goal will sometimes, depending on what rotation he's in, he'll have some time to hang out with her. Sometimes he'll feed her breakfast, but I don't expect it just because... Sometimes he's out earlier than we are. So I, yeah. So when you're on something surgical. You might have to be at the hospital at 435 in the yeah, morning. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so whenever he's around, like it's always a plus. And then I get her out to daycare during the day. I'll work, but I'll try to have some dinner planned so that I don't have to worry about it when she's around. If I have any errands to do, I'll do that during the day as well. I'll pick her up from daycare and try and spend time with her as much as I can. I try not to do like house chores when she's around just because I want to appreciate my time with her. And depending on, again, what rotation Michael's in, sometimes he'll come and join us for dinner, which is always really nice. But usually he'll be in charge of like washing dishes at the end of the night or washing bottles. He'll vacuum. She just started eating. So our floor is a mess after (laughs) after dinner time. And then when she goes to sleep, I'll finish up my work just because I can't finish it all during the day. But there are times when I expect very little help from Michael, depending what rotation he's in. But other rotations, he's very free. I I did not expect that. So maybe he's home at lunch and then he can do a lot of the other things that I don't have time for it. Like he could be in charge of dinner and getting her from from daycare. So yeah, it's we play it by month. We'll see like what what happens. Yeah, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, no, I, I think you summarized it pretty perfectly. It really is dependent on what mm-hmm. a rotation I'm on at that given time. But you know, we try to do, make do with what we have. What we can. What, time we have you know we try to get all the chores everything done after she goes to bed at like seven ish yeah, yeah she sleeps pretty early yeah. nice so we still have a good amount of time where we can take care of our our you know house shorts and stuff like that but yeah like certain certain rotations like the radiology rotation for example is a pretty relaxed one you know you, you have a little bit more time and i uh, try to pick up a little bit more slack during those times and on the weekends when i'm home i try to do what i can to help but and I think this is the situation for most you know, parents in med school and their spouses that we're really dependent on our spouses and mm-hmm. they really, really help make it work. None of, it, it really, it would be impossible without her, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. You know, I, we talked a little bit on the first episode that while med school is pretty unpredictable at times, you have these pockets where you kind of have quite a bit of flexibility and availability. You might not know when those are coming and you, they might come unexpectedly that you get on this rotation and you thought it was going to actually be way more involved than what it is. And then all of a sudden you're you're realizing, oh, I'm at home at like three every day or something like that. But again, you, you might not know that going in. So and it, it's... Uh, yeah. It's also sometimes dependent on who your attending is or or whatever. You know, one group might go through this rotation and they're there at, you know, I think I always come to like surgical rotations. So I feel like some surgical rotations, you're you're there very, very early. Usually you're there very early regardless. But but then, you know, you might not you might leave at a really reasonable time versus like another time, depending on who you're with residents and, and whatnot, you, you might be staying super late. So it's all very dependent on. And your interests, because I think there are certain rotations where I won't say you put in more, but like, you know, that you want to learn that area really um, as well as you can. in the two to four weeks that you have, because it's either an area of interest or an area that, you know, will support you or you need a letter or whatever it might Mm -hmm. be. So that makes a difference as well. Our one month old Nick is holding and he's she's getting a little fussy there. She is. <laughs> she's had a hard day. She's been the most uh, fussy that she's been since she came. I don't know if she's having gas or what, but or she's just waking up to the world. And so then she is really tired because she's <laughs> staying awake longer. But. Yeah, Michaela is very interested in her. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Michaela. You want Hi. another little baby <laughs> at your house, huh? <laughs> so another question that we had, how do students handle uh, their kids' sick days and holidays and, and things like that when the kid's not at school? How do how do you all handle those days? I can uh, chime in. So I kind of assumed that it would be be exclusively on myself. And that is actually not how it's worked out all of the time. There's been several times where it's been easier for Nick to take than for me to take, whether it's because of limited PTO or what I may have already had on my agenda for the work day or in this more recent season, I knew I was going to be having a three month scheduled maternity leave. And so it was just burdensome for my kids at work because I'm in pediatrics, like for them to miss some of their last sessions Mm. right before I was taking an extended time. There was going to be a gap between my departure and the arrival of my replacement. And we knew that. And so we knew that some of my kiddos were going to have reduced services at work. And we, I didn't want to have them miss some of their last sessions when Nick was studying, uh, obviously, or like completing some projects, that sort of thing. But maybe those could be moved to a different time because his schedule was flexible mm-hmm. during the, the period that we needed support. So that's been nice. It's kind of like what you were saying a little bit ago, Tina, that it really depended on the season that you were in, the rotation that mm-hmm. you were on, on who it ended up falling to. But yeah, for us, I would say, yeah, I would... I kind of take care of her when she's sick for the most part, but Michael has taken a good time, a good amount of time off to watch her too. 
Yeah, and they're usually really understanding. If you know, there are a lot of residents and a lot of attendings have kids as well. They understand. You know, you can't predict when that happens, and mm-hmm. especially first-time parents, we freak out about every little oh, sneeze yeah. or cough. So, <laughs> and then we end up getting those yeah. sneezes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cough, so. we we actually had a recent extended period of of this. So. Michaela's daycare was shut down for 10 days by the county because someone had tested positive, uh, one of the teachers. Mm, And uh, they kind of, you know, just as a safety measure, shut everything down. So she was home for 10 days. That That was so hard. I was, we were really debating if we should have, like, my mom or his mom come out and help. Just because I needed to work. And it was, yeah, it it was just an awful time. Yeah. <laughs> it was a rough, a rough couple weeks there. But um, and what's tricky yeah. is you weren't the ones who were sick, so like, right, yeah, you could yeah. contemplate and consider. We had a somewhat similar but different situation in September where we had COVID, and so we shut down our school. <laughs> we put all of their kids in quarantine. We were the point of exposure. Oh, wow. And yet we were all actually extremely mild. Nick, you had the worst symptoms and it was yeah. still like pretty yeah, I was still cakey. I was fine. I, I felt bad, like really bad for like maybe four days or so. But the rest of us tested positive, but had like pretty much no symptoms. Mm. Like I had congestion for two days. And so by the time we even ended up in quarantine, I was totally fine. So then I was expected to work from home because I could do telehealth because we had been right. doing telehealth for right. so yeah. long that we could move our kids onto it. But then I had both of the kids. We had found out that we were pregnant with Ingrid like two days before we all tested positive. So yeah. it was extremely stressful <laughs> oh, situation. Oh but we couldn't have we couldn't think about anybody coming in right. because yeah. we were the point yeah. of yeah. exposure. So And it, it happened to be where I was in between two clerkships and two easier clerkships. So it, it ended up working out pretty well from like even a med school standpoint. I I didn't uh, really end up having to make up any anything. I, I had to make up a few extra shifts here and there, but I, I didn't have to, you know, delay or, or pause and, and retake that clerkship at another time. It, it, it all worked out really well. So I think things tend to have a way of working out because if our kids had been younger, it would have been way different. Like I hear how hard it would have been mm-hmm. with Michaela being so young because you can't really predict even naps sometimes right. at yeah. this stage. Yeah. <laughs> we can't predict anything with our one month old right now. But like when we were in quarantine, we knew exactly when Harvey was going to nap. And so I clustered all of my kids to the afternoon. I had I basically did telehealth from one to five. Mm-hmm. And in the morning I did school with my elementary age daughter then I shoved I shoved food down their throat at like 12, shoved him in front of a TV for like two hours, had a 10 minute break where we put our four year old on nap. And then I went and finished the rest of telehealth. Oh <laughs> yeah. my! That was like the routine for like two solid weeks. Yeah. And I was kind of in and out during some of that, too. Like some of that I was, you know, doing like Zoom lectures and, and everything running up and down the stairs, checking on. But a different age and there's no way on earth it would have worked. Yeah. But it happened too because of the age and stage that we were at so yeah it it all worked out Mm -hmm. in the end you know this uh same person also asked and this might be a good question for michael should a non-traditional parent student seek programs that have more online or self-paced components to them i'm not really sure if you would necessarily need to seek that out because i think at least in my experience the the administration has been really supportive in 
kind of accommodating whatever needs to come up. Yeah. And, and again, I don't really have anything to compare to to say yeah. whether or not, you know, CCOM is particularly self-directed learning or, or guided. So I'm not really sure about that. Yeah. I, even just thinking about this uh, question, my thoughts were, well, I don't know too many programs that don't have all of their preclinical lectures at least available as recorded lectures that that's becoming almost the standard these days you you will have some required in-person things you know you can't do anatomy from home and a lot of times small groups are you know a lot of schools like small group sessions where you're learning uh, a lot more hands-on things you're gonna have to to be there for that kind of stuff but yeah i mean i think i think most programs are gonna have some flexibility and it's it's kind of hard to comment on it too because Michaela wasn't born until halfway into quarter yeah, year so yeah. you know the didactic portion is kind of a totally different flavor of beast so you yeah. know it's kind of hard of to say yeah um so oh I guess we kind of already covered that question give me just a second here your passy go right here <laughs> yeah you can talk Michaela you have a question um that we didn't talk about that has really been important for us is communication. I don't know how you two work it out, Tina and Michael, but we, I mean, a relationship in general needs so much communication for a marriage to work. You have to be talking and making sure you're making time for each other, knowing what is expected. But then when you throw kids in the mix, so much time is absorbed that if you're not pocketing different times to even just communicate like what's happened with them then it it doesn't work so i'd be curious what you guys have done but we ended up during the end of first year and through second year we haven't had to do it so much now with rotations because you have more flexibility but during first and second year we literally had family meetings on sunday nights where yeah. it was like at 5 30 i throughout the week i would like make the agenda things that came up that like i knew i couldn't talk to him about now i would throw them on my i have like a notes app on my phone and it has one of the notes is titled family meeting and i'd just throw it on that agenda so that when we got to the end of the week i would remember what things i needed to tell him or ask him uh, and one agenda point always was like what is your upcoming week looking like so yeah. that i know uh -huh. and so like i would debrief him on what happened throughout the week and then he would debrief me on what was coming for the upcoming week uh, and then we would do it again <laughs> and rinse and repeat yeah, for us, I would say, for us, I would say that we try to communicate about our day, our, usually like around dinner time. Yeah, um, we, we're actually, I think we're, for the most part, we, we make sure to have dinner every night, no phones, no TV, you know, no distractions, yeah. just we have a, you know, a real conversation about how our day went and what's coming up and you know what we need to address going forward so that's been really helpful at least having that maybe an hour to to talk mm -hmm. and kind of plan things out was really helpful yeah but definitely communication is very important we've been talking a lot of finances recently mm -hmm. and i think because michael is almost done with school he's excited to get an income so he's definitely more interested in it nowadays so <laughs> it's nice yeah we try to talk about that weekly if not monthly yeah. yeah do you guys eat dinner after michaela goes to bed since she is going down so early or you we eat dinner with her yeah so, uh, she just started eating yeah <laughs> yes and then we'll have second dinner probably yeah. like <laughs> later in the night tina's been a 
big advocate for what is it called baby led weaning oh um, yes yeah yeah so, what was your first food did you have bananas or avocado or she had bananas, bananas. yeah bananas. yeah she loves avocados we, we actually have an emergency banana with us yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah as i'm a part of several facebook groups about baby sleep and baby eating so facebook has been very helpful yeah. with a baby i would think especially being a parent for the first time during the pandemic oh yeah mm-hmm. you would rely on social media even more i remember with my first being up in the evenings like googling so not on facebook so much but like googling milestones or mm-hmm. like certain yeah. things to expect yeah. and that was when i saw could just walk across the street and ask my neighbor if i needed mm-hmm. to and yeah not as much for you so i would have relied on social media a lot Shortcoats, if you're enjoying our conversation today, I'd be grateful if you'd let people know by posting a story on Instagram or Facebook or tweeting about us. And don't forget to tag us in your post. Thank you. So what do you guys do to find some balance in your life? Is there anything that you you can kind of do to, to release and relax or even connect together? We, we try to go on walks. Dave's chuckling. Now, you went to a dirty, dark place, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying? <laughs> I did not. I did not. Uh, yeah, we, we try to go on walks every now and then, just kind of slow things down and, you know, try to get away from our responsibilities and just be us three going to the park. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Michaela likes the park, right? Also, yeah, I think Michael is a big believer of working out, which is why he kind of pushed me to go back into teaching bar three. But yeah, so I'll go to bar to work out. He'll, he trains jujitsu, so he'll do that once a week. And that's been good for our mental health. Good for you. That's exciting. Miriam, what do we do? We are dictated a lot by a six and three year old. That is very true. <laughs> and so most of our like relaxing kinds of time is things that are very, very kid friendly. Yeah. There's a lot of parks and everything is very seasonal. So in my same notes app, I have <laughs> season based ideas. So like summer right now, we've got Splash Pad. We've got mm-hmm. It's Too Hot Children's Museum in pre-COVID times. It would have been library story time. Now there's outside park play dates and classes and different things like that. But then for like myself, I really enjoy cooking. So we'll let the kids be outside while I do that. I wear our infant a lot so that we can make things work with her. And then just you and I, we try to get some help in to schedule dates as much as we can. We had my dad here during valentine's day and we still were not comfortable with going into restaurants in that time even though i think you had had one shot i had had both shots but we did a date in the basement downstairs we cooked i cooked a meal i mentioned i love cooking we did a whole love themed meal all four courses and they were like spelled out l-o-v-e with the menu item um the kids got to serve us and yeah it was really fun it was really fun it was good but we couldn't have done it without the babysitters upstairs. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I, I like to try to get the kids involved in projects. So, like, today, I, I always like to work. I, like, not think, but just, like, work with my hands when I'm when I'm not studying. And 
and thinking about medicine. So today we washed uh, the cars and they washed one car with me. They kind of decided. And then they started chanting for you to spray them. And yeah, yeah. So then I was just spraying them with the pressure washer, which was uh, a lot of fun. Harvey, Harvey got hurt once. He, yeah, came he too, close. too close to the pressure washer. So I, I kept telling him to, to stay away and I, I actually wasn't paying attention. I was spraying the car and he like stuck his hand in there. So I... But he, he was okay. Yeah, it he's didn't, okay. It but. didn't actually cut him or anything. But I, I've had that happen. I, I used to wash FedEx trucks when I was in high school. And I, I literally cut. I still have a scar from a pressure washer cut. And I think uh, Michaela and Ingrid are probably getting tapped. Yeah, I think so too. Maybe I am as well. Is there anything else anyone wants to talk about? Anything you would have liked to have known? or heard that you have now found out or figured out i think yeah the importance of the of communication like you were talking about earlier i don't think we we really focus on that in the beginning and we kind of learn by error you know both of us trying to overdo it and then kind of getting overwhelmed and but it's something we figured out along the way but i wish we would we had known in the beginning how important it is to communicate especially when you're doing something as uh you know, as a time consuming and, you know, raising a child. Yeah. I think that's good advice for, uh, you know, everyone with right. kids is in, in every relationship, you know, it's important to have strong communication. I, I think, you know, setting up systems like Miriam is really great about, she kind of talked about it too, where she has systems that she sets up for, you know, house, cleaning the house. She does the same things in a routine and planning the menu, planning menus and, and things like that. Th- that makes life run much more smoothly. And, you know, we talked a little bit about finances earlier. Budgeting is huge. I, I think, you know, knowing where your money is and what you're doing with it, especially when you're on such a tight budget as a medical student with kids i think for us without budgeting we would we would probably be in a lot of trouble and i I, you know we might potentially be able to get out of med school with a positive net worth or close to it i I don't know it's it's gonna be close but uh, we finance beforehand so we we are we were ahead of the game starting out to be fair but yeah yeah but but still i mean I, i think you know paying attention to that can really help you go a long ways I think the only thing that hasn't been said that across the podcast that you've done so far. So this one isn't so much about spousal support of a med student, but I've heard several times people kind of compare my situation to like being a little bit of a single mom. And I do want to make sure that it's acknowledged some of the difference. Like it would be really easy to listen to this podcast and hear how much Tina and I do, or listen to the prior podcast and hear how much people have their spouse support. But I just want to make sure there's a good shout out for people who are actually being single parents, whether that's in med school or just in general. Because when I hear that comparison, I get a little um, defensive for my friends who are actually single parents because. Yeah, we might be doing a lot and we might be having to like sacrifice in certain ways during this season, 
but one it's a season right yeah mm-hmm. and two we we went in knowing or even mm-hmm. if we didn't know like <laughs> we've been supportive and three even if we're managing things we have emotional and tangible support mm-hmm. or like a physical presence in the house even if there are passing ghosts for like a short season yeah so i just want to make sure that any single med students or single parents outside of the medical field know that what the what they're doing is amazing this is a really short season where i've had to experience some of what i think they might be dealing with and it's still not comparable at all i'm actually really glad you mentioned that my my mom she was a single parent and she raised three of us so every time i think that we're having a hard time i kind of think back to what my mom went through mm-hmm. and it's kind of a point of strength of you know to to kind of uh, look back and see what she did so yeah yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, especially like if people are feeling, oh man, I can't do this or whatnot. Like mm-hmm. I I try to remember how other people right. are managing even more than I am. Yeah. And, and I think nothing is so important in medical school that you can't step away for a bit to take care of yourself and your family. So, you know, maybe maybe that's just i need to leave early today or you know i need to even take a month off because you know i know a lot of students especially students with families who have taken a month off that that can happen there we've talked about it again and again on this podcast that there are some times where you have some flexibility and and you need to take care of yourself first you need to take care of your family because if you're not doing that then you know this what's this whole medical school thing for yeah what's the point (laughs) Yeah. Well, Tina, Michael, Miriam, that's our show. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate all of your input. Thanks to our special guest appearance of 11-month-old Michaela and 1-month-old Ingrid, who you have heard throughout this entire podcast. Dave, are these the first kids on the podcast? I think I had my son read the intro. Oh, (laughs) sorry. Very nice. (laughs) He made fun of me while doing it. So, (laughs) welcome back to the show. Go podcast. You tried to do the voice. (laughs) Too cute. Very cool. Thank you, Shortcuts, for taking the time to listen. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show. Our editors are AJ Charity and Eric Bozer. Alex Bellazar is our marketing coordinator. This show is made possible by a generous donation by the by the Carver College of Medicine student government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities program. Our music is by Dr. Bach and Kat McSphere. We'll talk to you in one week. Bye. Hi, short coats. Look, life in medical education, life in America, life in the world is often difficult. And I often wish I could help. All I have is this podcast, but in my wildest dreams, you have the support you need to lead a life of your choosing. You deserve to be happy, healthy, and successful in whatever ways you define those words. So if you need support because you've experienced racism, discrimination, harassment, mental health crises, I want you to be able to get the help 
that you need. And so I'm going to put some links in the show notes to some resources that you can use. But the bottom line is that for what it's worth, I see you. I know you're out there. I wish I could do more. Maybe I can in ways that I don't understand yet or know about. But I see you and I'm glad you're here and other people are too. 